Good day, my friends. Welcome to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Like always, I am your host, Sean Siriani, and we got a great talk coming your way. Because today, my guest is the classic rock legend, Kim Effin Mitchell. Yes, you heard that right. Kim Mitchell. Crack a soda for the homeboy, Kim Mitchell. And I'm not going to have a long intro for you today. I just want to say... I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I didn't know what to expect going into this. Uh, I never met him before. And I didn't know what the conversational chemistry would be like. We're from different generations. But by the end of this, you'll hear in the last line that he says in this interview that we are very similar souls. And this is an episode I really cherish. Also, this is an episode where my parents and, like, elders finally think this show is legit. You know, I'm having all these rappers on here, these young whippersnappers they've never even fucking heard of, and even some of my heroes have talked to me on here. But finally, after all these years, I I get Kim Mitchell, and the family finally gives me some respect, you know? (laughs) I love it though, man. Life is all about perception and uh yeah, everything everybody sees something differently. You can't uh I don't know. And if and if I worried about their approval in the first place, um this show wouldn't even be a thing, you know? But uh shout outs to my mom. She listens to every single episode. And before we get into this, shout out to those on the Patreon. Ola Mazuka. Not only is she an amazing person who's done many things for this show. She has a podcast herself called The Fold. You can find it by just checking out Sonic Fold on Instagram or The Fold on Spotify. And it's got some of the most conscious, awesome conversations I've heard from people in the community. And we got nothing but respect for her around here for producing that kind of content. So check it out. And also a big shout out to the co-producer. Jeremy Hopkin at Hopkin Design, and you should check out Hopkins Design as well. Not only is he an amazing graphic designer, he is a historian, and he collides both those worlds and makes some flippin' magic. And last but not least, the biggest shout-out to our sponsor, and I gotta say again, if you're a vegan, plug your ears, because today, this episode is sponsored by The Meat Shop in Niagara Falls, Ontario. The Meat Shop is the number one butcher shop in all of Southern Ontario. And don't just ask me, check out the reviews. Almost all of them are five out of five. And I'm not just pumping them up because they have sponsored the show, but I also go there. I enjoy getting the most freshest steaks on the planet. I enjoy their pepperettes, and I got to keep them at moderation because if I get a bag of those, I cannot stop. I'd be getting the meat sweats. You'd be smelling garlic through my pores for weeks, which was okay at the rise of the pandemic, and nobody wanted to see each other. But now, like, it seems like things are slowly getting back to normal. I might want to go on a date or something. I might need to, to ease off. And just chill out. And also something special about the meat shop. And this is taking the city of Niagara Falls by storm. They are now making fresh dog food. And the people can't get enough of it. I was told they are having trouble keeping up with the demand. And that's a good problem to have. And almost 
This is getting so huge that they have bought a new property just to produce this product. So if you love your pet and want to switch it up and give them a quality fancy treat, head over to the meat shop as well and tell Fred that we sent ya. Okay? But with that being said, we're going to jump into this interview. Put your feet up, crack a soda, because here is Kim Mitchell coming at you right now. I was born in 1985, so as long as I remember, you've always been on radio rotation throughout my whole life, from Max Webster to your solo stuff, and just like kind of always the soundtrack uh, in my household, as my dad would always uh, turn on like Q107 and classic rock stations. Uh, I'm uh, very familiar with your work, and yeah, again, oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's, it's cool to have you on here today. And uh, yeah, so you got uh, a new album coming out, right? The the big uh, yep. Yep. and uh, I read it's like your first album in 13 years. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, how does it feel to like finally get some new stuff out? And like, uh, how did you feel through these 13 years on the downtime? Did you feel like you needed the break or? Well, um, this this is kind of the 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 journey i guess uh i did release an album called ain't life amazing 13 years ago and uh went back to touring and really kept writing because us as a songwriter i'm just writing it's just like a painter has to paint and a dancer dances and a broadcaster has to broadcast so um as I was writing this stuff, I'm playing gigs and I'm just sort of happy doing that because my audience, I'm all about customer service and rock and roll. My audience just loves hearing the stuff that they know and relate to. And I'm happy to play that stuff. And I thought, I don't really need to do another record. It's a lot of work. I'd be financing it myself. And um, so I'm happy just to do this. It's, it's good. My my life is full. Yeah. And then, um, okay. Then, then, uh, a producer that I know, Greg Wells, who was in my band at 17, he's done uh, number one songs by Keith Urban. He produced Apologize by One Republic. He did 21 Pilots' first record. He did OTAP. He's done. Uh, he oh, did wow. the soundtrack. He did the soundtrack for The Greatest Showman. Um, he just did John Legend's latest song. Um, so he's a very successful dude down there. He's a Canadian from Peterborough who went down there and just has done gangbusters won a grammy and everything so he heard my i gave him the usb key of shame he heard my demos that i had been writing over the 13 years and he said 
man, this is this this stuff. Your audience really needs to hear more of this side of you. You know, they've been exposed to your rock side, your I'm a wild party, your rock and roll duties, and all that stuff. He says, but they, you know, you're all we are's and your patio lounge and stuff. They really should hear more of this. This stuff that you've done is really sweet. Please come to Los Angeles and let's record a record, a whole album. I'm nice. like, what? Craig Wells is asking, you know, what? Really? This is. Yeah, that's and so- it was, yeah, with a bit of hesitation, um, I said yes. So that's that happened about a little over two years ago, and we started to record it. Nice, nice. And yeah, um, right now the new track is out, Wishes, and it's a, it's a beautiful song. It's um, a different style than what I hear from you when I turn on the radio and stuff. Uh, a yep, little more yep. chill, relax, uh, and I love it. And even um, I thought it was cool that uh, you produced a video for this. I know things are hard to make videos right now, but uh, it was very candid and everything. And I, want, I wanted to know, did you shoot that yourself with GoPros and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, we there's some footage also from a couple friends. Uh, one of them, uh, one of them is up northern Ontario, um, just sort of southeast of Collingwood in Ontario, Canada. This is a north of Toronto, Canada, northwest of Toronto, Canada, and the other some of the shots near the end are from uh, a safari camp in Kenya. A friend of mine. Uh, lives in Nairobi, and uh, she she has all these beautiful photographs of of the safari camp that she, that they own, and so there's some of that stuff that's really wonderful. It was just like move, nice nice images, I thought. So um, that's kind of how we assembled the whole thing. Yeah, it was very fitting and everything. And yeah, like I mentioned, I, I just love the vibe of it. It was a really cool song. Thank you, thank you. It is a it's a song that I really like too, Sean. I, I mean, the lyric. Uh, ten years ago, in a waiting room, when I picked it up uh, in a book of poetry, really hit me. I read it, and I was like, "Wow!" I just love the message of this. That you know, we wish for wealth, some of us, and some of us wish for beauty, and and but there's other things, simpler things that that give us satisfaction in life, and they're just as cool. And and hopefully, hopefully, you and I get these things before we die. Yeah, that's fact. It, it actually kind of cosmic you're saying that right now. A uh, old friend of mine uh, called me this morning. I haven't talked to him in a while. And that was kind of like the theme of what, what we were talking about. Uh, and yeah, it's, in a way, it's kind of spooky. I guess I guess that's the theme of the day, too. It's just... Uh, uh, sure. I sure. don't know. You, you, like you mentioned, you can push for beauty and fame or stuff, but there's a simpler undertone that's, I don't know, I guess makes us do what we do, you know? You're, you're, you're hitting on, you're hitting on uh, exactly why... You know, I think some of the some of the people have heard it. I mean, a lot of people have heard it, really love it. And I've had the comment from many of my friends and peers that, wow, for a song that was written, started getting written 10 years ago before any pandemic and was, by the way, the song wasn't finished until about six months ago. Um, They said it's spot on for what we're all feeling and going through right now. So. Yeah, almost in a way, maybe it's meant to be to come out now, you know, and just kind of put that on the shelf and then, bam, it's a moment. It kind of like hits you to the heart. And people sitting Interesting. Around. Yeah, an interesting moment. Anyway, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And um, like like I mentioned, too, it's like uh, you've 
always been like a sound throughout my life, turning on the radio and everything. Um, when you that's, look that's back, humbling, actually, man. That's humbling to me when I hear that. Oh, cheers! And I'm sure many, many others too. It's uh, it's just uh, kind of just growing up too. And also, I, I uh, I'm gonna move away from the question I was going to ask. Uh, my dad uh, kind of grew up in in the 70s in uh, Toronto and stuff. And uh, he wanted me to mention to you or, or ask you about the Gasworks Bar and uh, kind of like the scene around there. And uh, like he would say, it's like you or Max Webster would be like playing there. And then up the street, uh, Rush would be playing in such like interesting times. And I just kind of want to get your take. Do you, do you uh, reminisce on those times a lot? or? Yeah, well, I, I don't reminisce often, but uh, they're very clear in my memory, Sean. And uh, very clear. And, and I remember you know max webster that would be max webster's early days and rush's very early days because they were playing bars at first and and i remember thinking about the gasworks which is mentioned in wayne's world the movie wayne's world yeah yeah classic canadian comedy uh, yeah and i remember thinking we, we used to all think as we're practicing and starting to play gigs boy if we if we get to play the gasworks get booked in the gasworks on young street in toronto canada it was that we'll really know that we're on our way. Like we've kind of made it. And so we started playing the Gasworks. And the next thing we know, after a few times there over maybe the course of a year, there's a lineup outside and we're playing our own stuff. And it's like, wow, well, this is, this is pretty cool. Not only did we think we made, but we're filling the place. And, um, and you're right, Rush Rush would be playing at other places. The first time I saw Rush and Triumph, um, well, actually, Rush, the first time I saw them, they were kind of just doing Led Zeppelin y stuff. And I kind of I walked out after about six tunes. I, and it, wasn't, <laughs> it, it wasn't because I didn't like it. I just kind of went, that's eh, a band, you know, kind of doing Led Zeppelin covers. Yeah, yeah, it's I, been done, I, you know. I fin fin finished my beer and, and left. And then next thing you know, we're, we're playing together at a couple of high schools, and I'm going, well, no, they got some something going on here. It's really cool. But at first, and I did the same thing with Triumph. I was like, "Yeah, these guys will never amount to anything." I don't. I, don't <laughs> think. I was like, <laughs> and meanwhile, both of them exploded, right? So, yeah, that's that's cool to hear too. Even um, in I see like current generations. Uh, just to kind of let you know, uh, a long story short of my history, uh, I've been doing videography work in Toronto and actually deep in the hip hop scene. And I've noticed some people like at the beginning, I kind of had like that thought too. It's just like, uh, they just sound like somebody else like I've heard before. But then after time, they find their own wave and then boom, next thing I know, I'm walking down Dundas Square and I see them on a billboard, you know? And did you have that moment with like Russian Triumph too, where it's just like yeah, for sure. they were doing something and then they had to take the time to find themselves? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I say with hesitation, I used to say with hesitation that, you know, I left a bar because, you know, people are like, well, who do you think you are? It's like, I don't think I'm anybody. I, I was just my taste at the time it was early on in everybody's career i'm sure they would have come see us and gone oh god these guys this kid's not going to do anything and walked out on us even but um yeah yeah it's just it was good times and but i i relate to what you're saying that happens often um i know somebody uh who took a pass on alanis more set like oh, wow. this one, yeah this this isn't going to do anything it's, it sounds too shticky too sticky right it was like 
it's put out because we all knew Alanis here in Canada as kind of a disco singer. Oh, really? Well, yeah, she was kind of like a poppy disco singer when she was young, and she did it very well. She was she was awesome, and then she comes out with this, you know, like a real yeah. attitude record that was amazing. And I remember flying on an airplane with Alanis to from Ottawa. Her parents were at the airport with her, and it was when she was doing Jagged Little Pill, and and she her parents come over and go hi do you know Alanis I'm like of course I know Alanis I knew her manager at the time and and she goes yeah she goes well she's right over here do you want to say hi and I'm like, yeah absolutely and we ended up sitting beside each other on a fairly empty flight to Toronto and she was on her way to Los Angeles and she said she was she was adorable and, and, and talented I, I always thought she was talented anyway and she says I'm on my way to Los Angeles I'm recording a record down there using guys like Steve Lukather and she started naming a few heavyweights I'm like wow I said, that's amazing. Good for you. I said, good luck for it. Good luck with it. Then the next time I saw her, she's like uber famous, bajillions of records. She got handlers at, a, at the June Awards, which is like <laughs> the Canadian version of Grammys, walking her through a hallway. And I'm kind of standing there and our eyes kind of meet. And I just kind of looked at her and I went, enjoy the ride. You know, it's like, <laughs> she, sort of, she sort of laughed and nodded. But, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that's great that you saw like the beginning seeds of all these artists too. It's got to be such like an interesting uh, perspective to see. It was a healthy scene. It was a healthy scene for all of us. There was a lot of work in Toronto. There's a lot of work outside Toronto. So all these bands, Rush and Triumph and Kim Mitchell and um, Street Art Out West, uh, we all had lots of places to play. Yeah, that's so cool. And uh, you mentioned uh, Gasworks being in Wayne's World. And I noticed like a lot of Canadian comedies tip the hat to you from like you being in that uh, that scene in Kids of the Hall. I remember seeing that when I was a kid. And uh, also, Park Boys. Uh, yeah, the Trailer Park Boys, um, there was the line, it's like something, it's like, well, well, you rock a piss, I'll rock some Mitchell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think that's really cool, too, because um, a lot of, like, different American audience I know, uh, they watch Trailer Park Boys, but they still kind of, like, uh, keep, like, hammering in for, like, the Canadian culture and try to make it, uh, like, um, I don't know, just an authentic Canadian universe <laughs> in a way. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a, those were neat moments, and it was on Miami Vice, and um, also uh, the, what's the family show? The the cartoon. Um, um, is it Family Guy or something? Family Guy, you were a Family Guy too. I I think I think there's a mention on that once. Oh, or amazing! Something. Yeah, I think I I could be wrong. People told me that all of a sudden maybe they're I, I could have that wrong. So don't don't quote me on that one, but. Yeah, it's quite a compliment. I mean, but just as just a bigger compliment, Sean, is you saying what you say. Uh, someone who comes up and goes, you know, your your music was part of me growing up, and just that's humbling to me. That means as much to me as gold records, platinum records, and all that stuff, and the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, and uh, those are all amazing things. That, but stories like this are are 
real and cool and face to face while screen to screen right now yeah yeah maybe one day when it blows over we can uh, shake each other's hands but uh, yeah yeah, yeah that's, nice. that's cool to hear too yeah and um it's actually funny um i was telling uh my one friend he's a big supporter of the show he's done my intro music is he's a musician named uh dan siri and a bunch of bands but also usually in the summertime he kind of does like the niagara circuit of uh, patio scenes playing covers and uh, when I told him I was interviewing you, he's just like, oh, it's like almost every night people tell me to play Patio Lanterns. <laughs> like that just shows like how iconic like like your your music is and just like uh, almost to the point where it's his detriment <laughs> now. <laughs> but uh, I, I like I like his reaction, um, his reaction, like oh, Patio Lanterns. I had that feeling recording it because it, I had so much trouble singing it in the studio. It was one of those songs, that, one of the most difficult songs for me to sing. And it took me three days to do that in the studio till, till I got it to a point where I was like, okay, I, I think that's okay. So, I, you know, the second morning after not getting the vocal, I was feeling sort of the same thing. I was like, oh, no, I got to sing this again. I got to try and sing this. And I got all kind of freaked out and, shied away from him and i eventually got it but uh yeah i i think that's what it probably happens uh well you can correct me if i'm wrong if you uh have a big hit and you're like on tour and just playing it night after night after night you get so used to your own you, you do but but listen here's here's the remedy for that what at least has worked for me in my career is first of all i look at it like they're all my kids i mm. love these songs second of all the audience has come to hear it and, and I'm all about customer service and rock and roll. So I want to play this for you. You paid money to come here to see this. So of course I'm going to play it. And uh, third, I like to let the songs wander and morph into little different arrangements sometimes. And, you know, I'm, I'm open to the, the band. We fall into something a little bit different or somebody starts to do something a little bit different. And, it's like, wow, that's kind of cool. Let's do that for a little while for a couple of months. Or, so nice. the song Patio Lanterns actually is, doesn't sound exactly like the record, but it is, it does in, in parts. Oh, that's cool. And that's, I think that's what people kind of want out of a live experience too. Like something a little extra, a little special. I hope so. I hope yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to hear like how uh, cognizant you are of thinking of the audience. Like, okay, they're coming to hear this and this is going to make them really fucking happy so i'm going to do this. yeah and and you know sean you know there's artists out there who go i'm not fucking playing that anymore <laughs> yeah yeah even i know some who aren't even on the radio right now and it's just like oh like i'm sick of my own song and like but uh, yeah well i know some famous say a couple famous artists uh i don't know them i know of them that they're like no i'm not playing that anymore i've fucking had it i'm like what are you doing that song has given you the life that you have right now and and you know some of the you know some of the stuff that you have is because of that song those that audience is coming to hear that song don't you want to make your audience happy i mean by not playing that they're going to be bummed and pissed and feel cheated so man that's that's like even if you're you do feel terrible about your song i don't feel terrible about any of my songs i love playing it but if you feel like disgusting about the song take it for the team man do it for your audience it's like four minutes out of your life what 
Yeah, yeah, almost. Pull your head out of your ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to respect what brought you to to the the table. Yeah, Yeah, man. Because, man, you know, 99% of the people don't get that to happen, what happened to you, which was a huge hit. So, you know, respect that. Hey guys, Sean here, just going to take a pause for the cause. Let you know the song you are hearing right now is the song Wishes from Kim Mitchell. We talked about it earlier in this interview, and this is a reminder that it's available on all platforms right now. And I also want to thank you for checking out this interview today. There's still a lot of awesome stuff we talk about on the way, but I want to remind you that the Creative Imbalance now has a brand new YouTube channel. You may actually be watching a clip of this right now and know that. I just want to give you the reminder, if you haven't subscribed, show it a little love. It needs some love. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcasting apps, and you'd like to see visuals of these interviews that you listen to, just head over to YouTube and hit the subscribe button. All right. Thank you in advance. And thank you for projecting the energy of excellence and checking out these episodes. And as I take a moment to send you good vibes and appreciation, we're going to let this play for a few seconds before we get back into this great talk. I've done this for 40 plus years, Sean. Um, and right before the pandemic hit, I finished a brand new album. I finished the, the big fantasize and I did three weeks of, of theaters, uh, soft seat theaters, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I didn't get to do the last one, which was Kingston, Ontario, Kingston in Canada, Northeast of, of Toronto. I, I say that because for people out of, out of Canada, you know, I like, I always like to say Northeast of the city of Toronto, Canada, you know, a few hours away. We didn't get to do that last gig, which uh, I understood and was totally on board because the pandemic had hit. And um, so this is a first time when this thing hit and it's terrible. Like, you know, in all seriousness, this whole pandemic has been wow. Like, like it has messed with us and other people that's seriously affected their lives. They've had loved ones that, you know, die from it and but for me um i feel lucky first of all i haven't got it i try to be safe as i can um this is the first time in my life i've been able to drop my shoulders and take a break away from music so i rarely play the guitar um i have all my live gear set up at home so i could go down and blast and rock out anytime i rarely do and if I do, it's maybe for 10 minutes. It's not for hours, which I normally would do. I have an acoustic guitar I generally wave at um, right now. So my friends, a couple of my friends are like, man, you must be just busy like writing and having a good time. I'm like, no, I go outside and they do some shitty gardening. I'm really average at it. I walk my dog. I cook. I try to do a bit of exercising. And what aren't you, aren't you, 
how about watching Netflix and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, the TV isn't on. I'm just, you know, trying to enjoy the good earth and <sighs> do a little bit of that. I feel, get myself into a little bit of a Zen moment. And I'm actually, you know, I think a lot of musicians have to prepare themselves. Well, I have. I might not see the stage again for a very long time. We're all assuming that it's going to come back and, a few months or at you know a year i know live nation is booking stuff in 2021 who's to say yeah even still like they ha they have the date but um it's such a uncertain time it is it is so we i accept that and we all have to accept that and i accept it as a musician do i like it oh man it's 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 fucking with our minds and our you know forget forget the keto diet i got the covid diet going on <laughs> yeah yeah eat, eat anything you want and as much as you want of it so you know, my oh, cardiologist yeah. isn't going to be happy when he sees me the next time it's like what's that <laughs> thing or what's that thing around your waist there it's like eh, you know <laughs> I feel you, Kim. Especially the first couple weeks, it's just I kept going to the fridge, the cupboard, like snacking, snacking, and then I had like a come to Jesus moment about my uh, my diets, and I just started like um, exploring the city, kind of going for walks, like kind of in a safe way by myself. And it's interesting. I'm finding all these things in Toronto that are just absolutely beautiful, from trails to waterfront areas that I didn't know existed. And I've been here 10 years, but it's always been just so busy, moving, moving, hustle. And around doing this creative stuff, I had a day job, which um, is non-existent right now because it was also in the arts and entertainment industry. And um, even though like this, like the world's in a mess, a scary place right now, there's also been a, like a beautiful, positive side for it in my perspective to kind of just stop and not worry about the hustle and um, kind of just think. And sometimes the thinking is a positive and sometimes you can overthink yourself into like a negative spiral or whatever, but, but sure. I don't know. It's and, hard. Yeah, to, you know yeah. what? You know what? The negative, you know, you, you touched on a good thing there. First of all, you, there is a lot we can all discover about our, where we're living. Um, there's things we can appreciate about the good earth. Uh, there's simpler things we can wish for. Right. Um, but there's also, you touched on something. It's okay to spiral once in a while. That's a natural human emotion that we all, you know, go down and it's, it's, it's okay, especially at this time. It's, it's some, it, there's no manual for this for most of us. We, we haven't been here. And if it were to happen again, we'd have a little better understanding. So, okay, this is what I need to do, you know, but we did, we didn't, this is, we're all like, what the heck is going on all of a sudden? So, yeah, for sure, for sure. So it's okay. I guess I'm saying it's okay to wake up and be screwed up for a day or a couple of days or a week or something. Like, what's going on? You know, I think our survival thing kicks in, and we most people are balanced, understand it's like, hey, I got to pull myself out of this. So get on my bike and take off somewhere, and you know, yeah, that's that's very true. Think positive thoughts and and force myself to think some positive stuff and you know you can pull yourself out of this yeah yeah you're very right and uh, a lot of us uh may like who get into our heads like too much they they may kick ourselves over it but it's it's part of the human experience what's your t-shirt say it says slay the day 
and it's in the Slayer font as the band Slayer. So it's um. There's also I got this. Um, I bought it from another podcast. Uh, it's called the Josta Show, and it's a guy who's like deep into the metal, heavy metal world, and he uh, interviews a lot of metal and hardcore stuff, which was like my kind of music when I was a teenager. So I've been listening to this uh, podcast and hearing stories from the days I used to listen to all this music, and they just have like positive uh, takes on different bands and see in uh, yeah, it's quite cool. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Um, it was just reminding me of uh, interviewing Frank Zappa's son, Dweezil Zappa. Cool. And uh, and I was asking him, you know, I sometimes don't like to ask about music. I said, okay, when you were a kid, what's something that you did with your father? Just that you remember as, as a kid, that it, it, like it was yesterday. He goes, well, we used to make up words. And he said we'd play a game while we were eating because we didn't see our father a lot because he's in the studio a lot, which was attached to the house. But he goes, he'd come in and we'd eat and, and we played this game. And he said, one day I asked my, making up words. It was words made up. They couldn't be real words. And he said, one day I said to my dad, dad, what do you call somebody who always wears a rock t-shirt? And, and Frank, Frank said without hesitation, insignoramus. So I just thought it was kind of funny. I like that. When I, I, like when that. I see rock t-shirts, I think of that story. It's funny how when you, how in our lives we relate to, to things um, from our own experiences. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to add that word to my vocabulary too. Yeah. Signoramus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, beyond your music, uh, you've been like interviewing people like for the longest time, right? Yeah, it's is it on Q107, am I right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, for 11 yeah, years, I was on Q107. Yeah. yeah, well, how how was that whole experience? Because uh, I know probably at the beginning of your career, like you're the guy always being interviewed and then to like kind of flip the script. Uh, uh, yeah, how was okay, that? So, okay, it was, it was terrible at first, Sean. Um, I, I wasn't trained for it. So it was really rough. Uh, I think there's people hoping that they were going to get the gig and probably deserved it more than I did, but they took a chance with me as something different to do something outside the box. So uh, through a lot of hard work after about a year, it started to come together and the show did really well. So I was there for 11 years and the experience was beautiful interviewing people. Um, I think I had, I think I brought something a little different to the, to the plate being a musician, interviewing a musician because it wasn't like, so tell me who were your influences? So mm -hmm. what can we expect from the show? Um, you know, that kind of stuff. I'd be like, man, it's 15 minutes before you're going on stage. What's going on in the dressing room? Mm -hmm. um, uh, who's, okay, you, you finished, it's hotel lobby time, you're going for a flight. Who, the, who in your band is always fucking late? Who's, who's the one that's, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah, that, yeah. I guess I've, I've lived it, you know? And we have a person that's late. And I know that before bands go on stage you know there's little rituals there's little things that you know mine is 20 minutes before we clear the dressing room it's like whoever is in the dressing room get the fuck out it's just the band now for 20 minutes and the only person allowed in now is the road manager to go it's time let's go so and we do that after 20 minutes after the show nobody nobody and and then you know even my guitar tech he's not allowed back to you know that kind of stuff it's just so anyway Little stuff like that, and we always take a safety, which is, you know, our road manager. First thing he walks in, goes, 
okay, does anybody need to take a safety? Which is like, you need to take a piss before we go on because you're going to be up there a while. Oh, so you call it a safety. Ah, yeah, we, right, call, right, we right. call it a safety. You know, or, yeah. or somebody's all of a sudden really nervous and they have to do, you know, number two, it's like, ah, yeah, I got to take a safety all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, push it back in five minutes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it, exactly it. He says, okay, we'll hold the show for five minutes, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's like, um, I one thing I love about doing these segments too is all that behind the curtain stuff it's um i don't know it's just something like it's like one of those things as you watch on tv how it's made but like in the rock and roll world or like when i'm talking to com- uh, stand-up comedians or film directors and yeah, it kind of keeps me going and i think um what's cool about you being on q107 as um the interviewer is just like your legacy kind of legitimizes the spot and also your perspective you've lived what um, these people you're talking to are going through. And that's what makes some like these interesting questions and stuff. Like, Well, you know, and, and I want to add something to that, Sean, is that the bigger they were, the sweeter and more down to earth they were. I, they're not, I mean, they're, they're weird. They're eccentric. They, they've accomplished a lot of things. And because of, you know, cause they have something unique and I'm not saying they don't have quirky personalities, but, Generally, they come in professional. They're there to do something. They're there to, they know they want to talk about a new album or a show, and they know what they're doing. They're 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 sweet. It was generally the the lesser known people that had the more attitude, which was kind of funny. Yeah, Kim. You know what? And again, like um, I was saying the same thing to somebody else. Like, as um, my show, it's um, it's pretty small. It's got like a tiny cult following, but um, when I do get a big name. I notice they are so positive, so friendly, enthusiastic in the moment of the interview. And then sometimes like I'll try to get on a segment, um, like some lesser known stuff just to kind of like get their name out and stuff. And like, they kind of have like these, these, I find like attitudes and stuff like they're like, but, um, there's just, I want to say whether people like follow this or not, there is power to positivity and making people like um, just enjoy being in your company. That leads to other opportunities and layers and layers and like word of mouth and everything. And yeah, yeah, it was a really fantastic time anyway in radio. So yeah, yeah, so cool to hear. And um, any like um, favorite show of yours or monumental moment from any time in your career that's like kind of pops out in your head as like a big victory do you have in your uh well i can simplify it by saying i just love playing outdoors in the summer mm-hmm. so that that's that's it for me um I mean, I love it. Magic can happen indoors and I've had great nights in front of 400 people in a bar to, uh, but my favorite is sort of those outdoor moments where you're standing backstage. It's a summer night and you can kind of hear the PA off in a distance where, you know, they're playing some tape music before you're going on and you go out and hit the stage and especially in Canada, there's usually a few bugs flying around in the lights and few, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I left my door open for two seconds. So I got to fly in here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, a revved up audience uh, that's, that's, you know, you're transmitting this energy and it's a beautiful moment. I mean, I've had 
train wreck moments. I've had funny moments on stage. Um, you know, lots of stories we could go on and on and on, but, uh, you know, I've had scary, scary gigs. I've had weird things happen. Uh, um, but generally it's every night is like, they're like, I hate to use the word snowflake, but they're like all different. They're, you think, okay, well, we, we just played last night. There's going to be kind of the same. It's outdoors. It's like, it's totally different. It's the, the whole feeling of it. It's just wonderful. That's that's the beauty about being an artist. There's no really template to what you do, and you can kind of get things that work. But um, each each night's a new adventure. You never know. No, what's yeah, there. yeah. I mean, I mean like, things that come to mind. You know, opening up for for big bands. It was it was quite quite cool. A lot of the people we met and played open up in front of were really good to us. Rush being one of them, and um, yeah, just. Most of the bands you sort of classic rock bands, Journey, Van Halen, Def mm. Leppard, all of them. I opened up for all of them and Black Sabbath. Uh, oh, that's so cool. Uh, Ronnie James Dio and Rest in Peace. Yeah, yeah. I think we shared the same birthday. I'm not sure. Someone said that, but um, he was a sweetheart too. That guy was a sweetheart. Um, his, his manager messaged me when he was still alive and said, you know, Ronnie wanted to reach out and say hi to you and enjoyed blah 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 and meeting you and and uh here's his contacts if every it's like you know just real it's a it's a sweet sisterhood and brotherhood going on in the music business and your audience should know that that uh we all think we all look in at each other and go we all belong ah uh, yeah one big family yeah i mean i know business is really competitive uh, you know companies that the big the big corporations but and big rock bands are like i'm not, i'm not including myself in the big rock bands i'm talking about the big stadium guys from bon jovi to you know they're all they're all like no man we all belong it's like mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i'm sure even if uh you meet one of them for the first time you guys are familiar with each other's work and there's just a respect and just uh um well, like you mentioned so, the brotherhood like half the time i don't think they know who i am but um but they end up knowing who I am. I, my band keeps reminding me of that. A couple couple moments like that have happened when, you know, Paul Stanley, a kiss comes off an elevator and somebody introduces him. Oh, this is Kim Mitchell, blah, blah, and, he, and, and Paul Stanley goes, oh, Kim Mitchell, go for soda, man. I love your work. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of mind-blowing. And um, same thing with Neil Sean of Journey. I didn't think he knew who I was. And we're at a crew dinner together backstage and doing a festival. And, he comes over to my table and goes, Kim, I wanted to meet you. I love your work. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm the fan boy here. Like, how is this going on? How does uh, this happen? So just, well, it's, it's nice. There's been nice moments like that. Yeah, and Eddie, yeah. Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar, you know, knock, knock, knock on the tra- trailer and in walk, in walk those two guys and hang out for 20 minutes before they're, they're hitting the stage. And just sweethearts, like awesome people. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. But that's that's bound to happen with your your whole legacy and just um, dedicating your life to your music and just doing it. It's 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 cool to talk to you today and just uh, yeah, thank you. It's been, yeah. been nice. Even though I'm in a different lane, I I feel very inspired and energized from this conversation. Oh, cool, man. Well, it was very nice talking to you. And uh, you do you have anything else? I'm I have a, something else going on here. Uh, 
Uh, no, but uh, I know I know you uh, you have a lot of media to do today as well, and I I was told the cutoff is in one minute. But uh, once again, um, Kim, I want to say I uh, I appreciate you spending the time with me. Um, I feel like a lot of people are going to enjoy this episode, and yeah, it was just it was just a really really fun talk. And uh, well, you Sean, uh, back at you, man. You're an awesome hang, and uh, your audience, I can see why they dig your your podcast because uh, you're real and. We're just a couple people hanging out. We're all the same, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really. We do different things, but you know, we're we're human beings, man. So that's where it starts. Ah, that was a great episode. That was a great talk, and that ending brings a smile to my heart. I know that's not a saying, and it might not make sense, but you know what? That's just how I feel right now, and you're going to have to deal with it. Shout-outs to Kim Mitchell. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Like I mentioned in the intro, I didn't know how this talk was going to go. Um, we got the generational gap, but um, like he said at the end, we are all the same. We are all equal. And you have to sometimes as a human being remind yourself that. And I'm going to take those words and bring that with me to all my future interviews. I notice every interview, there's a deep lesson in it. And um, maybe something from now on, too. I just mention what the lesson is or something that we should consciously think about. But once again, we are all equal. Um, I'm dropping this on Friday. Over the weekend, if you're listening to this, go out of your way and tell somebody that you love them. And I'm going to say right now, I love you. Thank you for listening. All of these episodes, till the day I die, will always be free to listen to. But um, if you have the means and you want to do some extra support, help us cover some costs on my side, I want to let you know that we do have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash the creative imbalance. And it's only $3. You get a lot of incentives. I tell you a lot of secrets. You get all these interviews early, even before the edit. Like from now on, right when the moment it is done, I hang up the Zoom call. I'm just going to throw the raw file of the Zoom onto the Patreon. And you can even see me awkwardly set up <laughs> these interviews before they start in some extra fun. And even... If you wanted to spend more than $3, there's other tiers where you get credited as a producer of the show. Have your name on every YouTube video and a shout out at the intro of all the audio. But like every episode, we're going to end with a song. And we're about to get hype as fuck. Let's crack a soda. Chug that down your gullet. And like our good friend from the Trailer Park Boys says, Well, you rock a piss, I'm going to rock some Mitchell. See you next time.